This is Secret League of Podcasters Production. Camera, Mofa, it's Mofa Movie Madness on Zach's Movie Show. I'm your host, Mr. Podcast, because I'm here to tell you about movies because I've been watching movies, but I haven't been able to tell you any, anybody. So if I watch a movie and I don't tell anybody, don't review it, did I really see the movie at all? That's the question, my friends. I don't know. Anyways, it's been a while. Um, I guess we're going to keep doing this, sort of. We just have to coordinate getting together. Um, please go over to our SoundCloud, Zach's Movie Show, and catch all of the Brooke Catches Up. She's working on Star Wars uh, in preparation for, uh, you know, what's a little bit under a month away. No, it's under a month away, people. Star Wars Episode Seven. Who would have thought this day would be coming? And and when that day comes, when that day comes, I mean, we'll be like, it's really here. Star Wars is here. It happened. This is a golden age. But anyways, I've seen some movies, and I'm going to tell you about them. So I'll kind of uh, work my way backwards. There's a lot of stuff that was theaters and uh, Netflix and whatever, so I'll get into it. Um, one of the most recent films I saw was Bridge of Spies which, of course, is the Tom Hanks fantastic uh, piece. Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, uh, Mark Raylance, and um, all, you know some other... Uh, Alan Alda is also in it. And we get, um, I believe his name is Jesse Plemons, uh, who you might know as Meth Damon of Breaking Bad, and now in season two of Fargo on FX. But uh, this is uh, a great movie. Um, I think it's still maybe in theaters. Might be able to catch it. If not, um, keep your eyes out. Probably for Oscar season, it'll be hitting, uh, you know, um, release and everything else like that. Because I imagine they'll put in for it. Um, it's based on a true story of kind of early into the Cold War where uh, America and Russia, neither of us trust each other. And... You know, everybody's just kind of vying for um, intelligence to gain the upper hand and kind of uh, hold one up on the other. And, and we're both suspicious, obviously. Um, and they're like finishing, you know, finishing up the Berlin Wall in Germany, like as the movie's taking place. It's very interesting. So um, Tom Hanks is a uh, mainly an insurance lawyer, but, uh, you know, had practiced criminal law and everything. So, um, he gets picked to, uh, afford this Russian who was, uh, suspected of, of, you know, espionage living in America, um, to, uh, defend him in a, in a, a traditional court case, give him due process and all that. So it's a very interesting story. He goes from that and then there's this whole, um, buildup of, you know, he, he kind of, Please for this guy who's, you know, it's it's the the uh, 
performance by Raylance is amazing. Like he's, you know, uh, he's potentially a Russian spy. Nothing was ever officially confirmed, so to speak, as far as um, and you don't see him really committing espionage, really. But there's stuff going on, and um, but throughout, like his character is very likable. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, and Jesse Plemons is a YouTube pilot along with a few other peoples and everything. It's very interesting how, how they have this um, cast of characters and everything that's set up in the, the settings, you know, within Germany and everything else. So it's quite interesting and just an amazing story. It's really well done. You know, it's, it's very procedural and a lot of um, movement and just kind of conversations, you know, very, it's dialogue driven, obviously. There's not really a lot of action, but there's a lot of tension and a lot of, you know, negotiations i think it's fantastic i really recommend you seeing it so i will say that um next we saw what else let me look through my movies here and see what's been recent and it's been stuff you know that i've seen uh oh specter of course well, actually i saw that one after bridge of spies but i wanted to get bridge of spies out of the way because it was great and i was just listening to a uh, podcast catching up, you know, and they were talking about it a little bit. But uh, Spectre, James Bond, I really like this James Bond. Um, I really do feel this is Daniel Craig's last movie. I mean, he said that he's not, he doesn't plan to do another one unless the money's right and everything. So, like, he's kind of checked out. And um, just the way the story went and everything, it really feels like it's a good time for him to step out and not be Bond anymore. So I think we could see a changeover very easily. Um, Ray Fiennes is, is just amazing as M, and like uh, he gets some action and everything else, which I thought was awesome. Um, you know, obviously the guy playing Q is, is great, kind of his mixed work between in the shop and in the field. Um, you know, the, the Bond, uh, Christoph Waltz was, you know, a fantastic Bond villain, but then, you know, I was thinking, I was like, oh, we don't really see him till later on, but then when you look back to Skyfall, the same thing happened with, um, <sighs> Javier Bardem, so, you know, it, it's kind of almost par for the course that we don't meet the main villain until much later on. Uh, Dave Bautista is kind of a strong, silent type, um, Mr. Hinks, almost, no, not really Jaws-like because he was, you know, doing something else, but, uh, you know, you know, it was just, um, he was great as a, a brute force for Bond to deal with, you know, in several altercations and everything, and, um, I mean, you gotta love the, the car chase, oh my god, how fantastic was that, I mean, it, and plus, you know, it's kind of funny that it's the, um, Jag and Aston, Martin, uh, you know, had all where they're they're very similar platforms and everything. Not necessarily in this particular um, movie, you know, but uh, Jag and Aston make uh, cars, and it kind of seems that you know the other one will do a similarly based car, and then it comes out a little bit better on the on the second go round, so to speak, the revision. But uh, you know, the the Aston Martin, the DB10 that uh, James drove out of uh, Q's office and everything to take up to Italy was just fantastic. It was so beautiful. And uh, it was a one-off car, I found out, because I was very curious immediately after I saw the movie, like, what was up with the cars, because they were, you know, 
just gorgeous. So uh, that was a one-off, and the DB11 will actually be the next replacement in Aston Martin's line if you're a car person and are into that. What Batista was driving, the chase car, at first I thought maybe it was McLaren, but it turned out to be um, a new Jaguar, uh, you know, super hypercar, as they would be called now, you know, because we have uh, such extreme performance. And that's a kind of a callback and a uh, tribute, if you will, to the XJ220, uh, which was a uh, supercar they made in the 90s that was just kind of um, a bit ahead of its time. And this is, you know, just a gorgeous car as well and made for a great car chase. And um, I think it was also nice, too, was there wasn't as much, like, crazy destruction and everything to the cars, per se. I mean, and, you know, some, you know it's going to end and things are going to happen where, you know, you're going to lose one of the cars or whatever. But, uh, you know, the car chase I thought was, was pretty great and brilliant, very... Just about the driving and then just kind of showing off these cars that are beautiful. Um, overall, I mean, it's James Bond. I've liked them all. I think the, the low point of the movie is how terrible the theme song was. It was so bland and generic, like, and made for an awkward opening title sequence. Even like it was just very. I was like, hey, you know the Adele thing that we did that was nice and stuff? Because Skyfall was a, was a good title track, I'd say. I, I enjoyed it, you know. I'm not the biggest fan of hers, but, like, I think it worked well. It was a nice composition. And this was like, hey, let's do the same thing, only less awesome. I mean, it was just so generic and bland. And it made a very weird title sequence. There was a lot of weird stuff going on that I think might have went over better if the song was better. You know, and uh, I went with a uh, good friend here, Manny. You know, uh, we went to the movie together, dressed up in uh, full Bond attire of our suits and whatnot. And, um, uh, you know, we were listening to, uh, you know, I have uh, like a 30th anniversary or whatever Bond, and it has a lot of the other older themes and everything. I'm like, all these themes are pretty decent. Like, even some of the, the crazy 80s ones and whatnot, like, not too bad overall, like, and then we got this thing. It was just, oh, God. So um, Spectre, I think, was great. And I think it's a good movie for Daniel Craig to go out on. So that's my opinion of that. Um, let's see. What else was there? It's been so long. I missed you guys. Um, I believe we talked man from Uncle last time. Uh Oh, The Martian, uh, or Mars Alone, that's what I call it. Which maybe I saw that come out. Maybe I talked about it. But uh, if not, yeah, September 30th. Yeah, so no, I did not give you my review on The Martian, which would be the last theater movie of this uh, trilogy here. Um, Mars Alone with Matt Damon was, it was good. It's a good sci-fi movie. Um, you know, it was... It's a bit crazy, you know, some of the stuff that happens, obviously, I mean, but it's, you know, it's based off the book and all this, but, um, you know, the best thing you could do if you had any interest in the movie is to not watch the trailer or forget what happens in the trailer, because it really kind of gives away and it kills some of the suspense that you would normally get watching this movie, kind of um, without any influence, so um, a pretty great performance by, by everybody all around. You know, it was very interesting, and uh, 
you know, if you go, uh, if you're a Screen Junkies fan, you know, they had like a uh, scientific breakdown of some of that stuff, you know, and that was interesting. I think it's great, with, you know, especially with any of these space and science movies, how those things worked, you know, what's what's plausible, what's not, and all that. And, uh, you know, definitely the level of geekery and whatnot within NASA and everything was uh, spot on in some senses. So, I mean, aside from nobody would look that good, but it's Hollywood, so you got to do that. But um, Martian is worth um, renting, I guess. You know, it's a cinema cafe for sure. You know, it's it's uh, well shot. It's, it's uh, nicely done. So, enjoyed The Martian. And let's go into the world of Netflix. Um, I'll kind of, I guess I'll work my way up here. Um, I saw the... Um, Idris Elba Netflix um, drama uh, Beasts of No Nation uh, I mean Idris Elba really isn't the main character but he's in it and it's rather um, interesting but uh, uh, Abraham Atta or whatever is the, the main character is this kid and it's um they're they're in an unnamed Kaffir, uh, country in Africa with a, facing a civil war, as many of them are at times, unfortunately, or you know whatever. Um, and with that, like things very crazy, where you have like a foreign nation outside of your town or whatever that kind of keeps everything in line and, and kind of keeps um, the chaos out of your town, so to speak. So things kind of take place on more neutral territory or away from you know, the innocent bystanders, so to speak, and then eventually um, that kind of crumbles and gets overrun, and then it's like, you know, um, you, you don't know who's who, so everybody's kind of suspected in that, you know, if you're if we know you're not part of Group A, then you must be part of Group A and therefore the enemy, so there's a lot of people get slaughtered and killed in that sense that weren't able to escape earlier on, you know, cause they, there was a mass exodus, but you know, it was, you know, you're in third world countries. So not everybody has cars and there's not a real good way to evacuate the city. So like some of the older children and the men stay back to either to uh, help defend or, or, you know, just, you know, get the women and children out first kind of thing. And, um, it, this movie, it's two hours, 17 minutes, but it, it felt so long, maybe I just wasn't super into it overall, maybe, and that's why I just felt like it was dragging. And uh, um, like the acting's good, but it was just it felt really long and just kind of um, drawn out. I don't know, like I just I didn't enjoy it. Um, it, it seemed good, but like it just wasn't anything I was into. So um, it, it's good on Netflix. If you're into that thing, go watch it. If you're not, then skip it. You're not really missing much in that sense. But, I mean, good performances by everybody, so give them that. Um, I also watched a documentary, uh, Sexy Baby, on Netflix. And this movie is very interesting. Um, it is it, shot over the course of a year. And it takes a look at three, uh, three women at different points in their lives. So you have like a 12, like 13-year-old girl, a 22-year-old, um, uh, I believe she was a teacher or something, and then like a 
um, ex-adult film star and stripper, whatever, uh, you know, in her mid-30s. So it was kind of about 10, 10, 12 years between each um, character, you know, or character focus, so to speak. And it's just interesting to watch, you know, how these people um, change and, and everything and how, you know, the, uh, you know, having grown up in slightly different times and how the media and, and societal focus on, on sex and sexuality and all that has affected them and, and um, altered their lives, you know. I mean, the, um, the stripper, the, oldest, the older girl in her, you know, early 30s, you know, has, um, you know, she did, used to do the stripping circuit. I mean, she still was dancing, but, you know, was bigger a few years back and kind of, you know, being it's a superficial um, industry, you know, it was kind of, you know, she and she didn't want to be doing porn anymore, so she just kind of stayed to feature dancing, and then she would give, like, a pole dancing class, you know, so as well, and just kind of her you know, working through that with her husband and then, you know, um, wanting to start a family and all that. So, I mean, everything was, you know, she was kind of, she grew up, grew, not really grew up, but worked in the industry and had to deal with this and seeing how, you know, the the change in, in her clients, so to speak, and, and their demands over her course running, you know, in strip clubs and everything else. And just seeing that perspective, almost like an insider looking out and, you know, that's very interesting. Then you have this, um, you know, early 20s uh, woman um, who, very attractive, uh, but she had um, issues with her, you know, private area, so to speak, uh, you know, was looking into uh, surgery to um, beautify that area to give her a more normal appearance below the belt. Because that's the way she felt, um, you know, would be better for her and give her a better life, you know, because she had that um, insecurity in the bedroom, so to speak. So uh, it didn't get much into her thing. Like, her story was very kind of, didn't really have much of an arc. Um, you know, just kind of, she wanted to have this surgery and she decided to go for it. Um, so... You know, that was her thing. And just kind of how, you know, she felt that she was inadequate because of the way she was conceived and put together, so to speak, um, compared to what she's seen or what people may or may not have said, you know. Um, so she wanted to change that about her. So just kind of dealing with, you know, a an era where plastic surgery is, you know, an option and just kind of almost not really the normal, I mean, but I mean, not everybody does it, but a lot of people, you know, have cosmetic surgery and, you know, find that it's, you know, a, an alternative or whatever to giving you the body that you wished you had in one way or another. So that's very interesting. But the, uh, the most interesting story, um, Fortunately or unfortunately, is dealing with this um, a girl who's kind of really coming of age, turning into a woman in a lot of ways because she's you know twelve, thirteen. She's getting into puberty, and you see her start out as a. I mean, she's living in in New York, you know, with her family. Her mom's like a big um, feminism activist, lawyer, whatever, 
and all this. And, um, you know, dad's like a doctor or something or whatever, you know, they do well, they're in New York. And, um, with that, um, you know, but she's coming of age. She's, you know, doing all those things. She was this, you see her start out. The movie is a sweet kind of a young, innocent girl. She's aware of, of, in, um, sexuality and boys and everything, but she's not into it. You know, she didn't want to, um, get into that kind of life. She didn't want to do stupid things, get pregnant and whatever, you know, like she wasn't boy crazy or anything, but that, you know, she was smart about everything. And then you see her over the course of time, you know, she starts hitting puberty in the adolescence and then she's starting to become, you know, a, a, a young woman. So, you know, she starts dressing differently. Her attitude changes because she's, she's, you know, uh, rebelling against her parents. You know, they, they want me to do this or that, you know, they're not letting me be me, you know, um, it's kind of everything. And it's just a very different, um, you know, it's just a, a an amazing change you see. And just kind of like, you know, they have to sit down and talk with her about, these things and they're kind of doing, you know, she has her friends over at one point and they're doing kind of a mildly provocative photo shoot or whatever to send off to her, her boyfriends, whatever, you know, and it's just, um, it's crazy and, it, and it's frightening, like what you have to be aware of. And, you know, I mean, they had a pretty open and honest relationship when it came to maturity and, and sex and everything, which I think is a, a good standpoint to have with your children but it's still like you know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on and, and out there so it's um you know just something you have to really take into consideration you know as we grew up in this modern information age so um i think it's a really it's a rather good documentary and it's it's definitely worth um checking out if you're into that kind of thing or if you have a daughter you know i would say watch it because it's just kind of stuff to try and make you aware of and everything as you're raising this child. Um, let's see. I tried to watch uh, this movie on Netflix called uh, The Formula. And it it just, it, it can't happen. I cannot do it. It has um, really some terrible acting. Um, like it's... You know, it's, I mean, it's an independent movie, for one. Um, somehow they managed to get uh, Reginald Vell Johnson. So, however that happened, um, props to you for getting that. But um, it was, it's, not, it's 94 minutes. I think I made, the best I made it was like 30 minutes into it. And it's just like the, the editing is shoddy because, like, you can clearly tell they use two different cameras. So, like, your color correction is totally different in some scenes you know, within the same, uh, scene location. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's tough, you know, like, and I have a lot of respect for the independent film and the, you know, the people doing these movies on, on little to no budget, you know, um, you know, everything that I've seen ever out of, out of Skelly or any, or anybody in channel seven, five, seven, like hands down I've seen, you know, less problems in 48 hour films than I saw in this and I just couldn't do it. So, um, if you're looking for something randomly on a, you know, 
uh, a bad night in. Like, this isn't even worth, like, the bad movie, like, Boy and His Dog kind of, um, you know, shitty weekend, nothing going on kind of deal. So, I'll say that. Um, just uh, some other fun stuff on... Uh, I watched uh, Kung Fury for, like, the eighth time. It's still great. It's number one movie of the year, in my opinion. I loved every bit of it, so you can't go wrong there. Um, oh, I watched... <coughs> That's right. I watched the Richard Pryor Icon um, CBS special, PBS special, whatever, on Netflix. And that was really interesting to watch and get more of the history of Richard Pryor and, and the environment and everything that he grew up in and just kind of um, how... You know, he was as brilliant as he was. He was as equally troubled with his past. Um, you know, just the environment he grew up in. It was just not the best. You know, in the ghettos of um, in the Chicago area, his mother being a prostitute and everything else. It was really an unfortunate situation. But um, you know, and and to see him like early in his career when he was Bill Cosby clean. You know, as a, as a, a comedian. You know, doing that, and then at one point he had, uh, you know, he just kind of got fed up with everything, and then had like, he got mad and walked off um, during the set, and then he was he went away for a couple months, and then that was how he came back as the Richard Pryor that we knew him to be, that where he was, you know, just um, complete one eighty from that. He was, you know, he was colorful, he he was dirty and everything. Um, you know, he was he was a brilliant comedic mind, but he, you know, because he had such a troubled life, you know, that's what kind of led him into the drugs and everything else that, you know, became his demise. So, uh, you know, if you're a fan of comedy, that's that's a good um, documentary to check out. You know, this, this PBS special, whatever they did on Richard Pryor. So I recommend that. Um, also, just in general on Netflix, uh, some fun stuff. If you haven't checked out Master of None, the... Um, you know, uh, sitcom or whatever, not really sitcom, it's, you know, I mean, it's a sitcom, it's a series that, uh, Aziz Ansari put together with his buddy or whatever, and just, uh, hits different topics, and there's some, you get, um, you know, an interesting cast, and it's just a lot of fun, it was quite, uh, interesting when they tackle the different topics and everything, he's a master of none, so that was fun, and it's just really, I mean, Aziz is kind of, you know, he's roughly the same kind of guy, but he plays that guy really well. So that that was fun to watch. And uh, Bob and Dave, um, that's a little five-episode um, sketch comedy show from Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, the you know people that brought you Mr. Shows. It was basically getting most of those people back together and putting together another sketch show. And it is hilarious. <coughs> So, um, you know, something in a smaller dose um, than a movie, I recommend those. Um, I would say that covers things pretty well. So uh, I hope you enjoyed this little trek through my queue of movies to tell you about. So now I've officially seen them because I've told you I've seen them. Um, I have to take in Hunger Games yet still. Uh, I didn't get to see it opening weekend, so I'll see it sometime this week. Or I might do a marathon and do that in, uh, in Creed, you know, as Thanksgiving comes up. So uh, happy Turkey Day. Be safe on your travels.
and uh, we'll figure out what's going on with uh, a more regular schedule for ZMS. But don't forget to check out our SoundCloud. It's actually the show to find all the Brook Catches Up episodes. <laughs>